Praise ye the Lord. Proverbs chapter 23 and starting at verse number 22 says, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. The Bible says to buy the truth and to sell it not. Also wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The book of Acts chapter 3 I will quickly read the word of the Lord. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. But Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. He lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. That's the power of faith. That's the power of God. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I do want to preach to you tonight, this is not for sale. This is not for sale. How about we lay our Bibles down? Let's lift up our hands and let's ask God to do what only He could do. Lord, I'm so thankful for you tonight. I recognize I am in a house of miracles. I am in the house of breakthrough. I am in the house of provision. And I am asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth for your spirit to be in here with us. I pray that we would not go a moment further without lifting up our hands and thanking God for the miracles that you have poured out in our lives. God, anoint our ears, anoint our hearts, anoint our minds. God, let get the Spirit of God fall with expectancy and hunger and fervor in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here recently, I've been wrestling with the Lord. I've been wrestling with Him about this subject that we call revival. We speak of revival we pray for revival, we preach revival, and I believe this church believes in revival. You believe in revival because you've seen it, you're experiencing it, and you're walking in it right now as we speak. But I know we'll see revival, I know we'll see breakthroughs, I know we'll see miracles, and I know we'll see restoration to the fullest. And oftentimes I've asked the Lord in this little wrestling match that we have going on, God, where will we see revival come? Will we, see, will we see it through Bible studies? Will we see it through door knocking? Will we see it through bus ministry or Sunday school or youth ministry? Will we see it from prayer and from fasting? And the Lord spoke to me in a gentle manner and he said, you will see revival when you stop trying to sell what has already been bought. When you stop trying to sell what has already been bought. And he spoke to me that I have already purchased this world with my own blood. 
I went to Calvary for all mankind. I became victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And I believe I'm speaking in faith tonight when I say we are living in an hour of unprecedented revival. I believe we are living in the hour where we are determined to see a demonstration of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to come to a church that does not believe in a demonstration. Why? Because I know where revival is demonstration follows you will see miracles signs and wonders in a house of revival you will see breakthrough and restoration in a house full of revival and I know this is the first night and I know this is a Wednesday night but I just believe with all of my heart mainly because the word of God says it but if you have pain in your body if you have pain in your mind if you need God to deliver you of addiction the Bible says whom the son has set free is free indeed I believe that this is just the beginning of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I watched as the young people scattered across the front of the altar and prayed after church for two hours. I don't believe it is coincidence that we are seeing it right now, but I know that there is something happen in the heavenlies. And here in a few minutes, and here for the rest of the week, I believe that God is going to allow heaven to interrupt earth and pour out his spirit in an unprecedented manner. So if you would repeat this prayer with me, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, it's the Lord's prayer. And it says, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Augusta, Maine, as it is in heaven. There's something powerful about declaring the will of God to be done where you are sitting right now. There is power when you declare that God, I give you everything. Would you come down and visit me for just a moment in time? I simply did not come to preach a pretty message. I couldn't even if I wanted to. But I do want to bring a message tonight. This message is called hope. I do want to bring a message to you tonight. This is a message called peace. I do want to bring a message to you tonight. This is a message called salvation. I've come to tell you if you are sitting in this house tonight, you are not just here by your own doing. You are not just here by your own power you are sitting in this building tonight because there was a God who left heaven and wrapped himself in flesh and went to a bloody cross to watch your soul saved from hell itself we serve a God 
that look at hell and said, I am not afraid of you. We serve a God who walked among us and was criticized and accused by the religious. We serve a God who walked among us and healed the blinded eye and unstopped the deaf ear. We serve a God in heaven who wrapped himself in flesh and made a special trip across the sea just for one demon-possessed man. You cannot go too far for our God not to find you. You cannot go too far where the mercy and the grace of God cannot find you. Your child, your son, your friend, your mother, they have not gone too far where God couldn't just loose the heavenly host to walk up into their house, to walk up into their job, and to pierce their heart with the love of Jesus. I watched the message where the Asbury revival broke out and believe it or not, the message was a simple message on the love of God. The Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. We serve a great God who loves you so much that he would leave his throne in heaven. He would wrap himself in this flesh. He would humble himself and become obedient to death. All because of the love that he has towards you. I want to let you know if you've ever woken up, if you've ever had a dream, if, if you've ever had a trial or tribulation that ever try to convince you that you're not loved by God, I pray tonight before service is over that there would be a fresh revelation of the love of Jesus Christ. You have purpose. You have a divine destiny. You have a future, and your future is found in Jesus. Here recently, we've been preaching on the campus that I go to. I go to a college called Wichita State University. And soon I would realize that I would come face to face with the spirit that would try to grip that campus. We were out preaching one day and I came up to a young boy. He's about 23 years old. And I had three simple words that shook him to his core. I went up to this young fellow and I said, sir, can I just let you know today that you have purpose? Three simple words. You have purpose. And as these words entered into the ears of this young man, his head heavily fell and he started looking at the ground. He did not know how to answer that declaration. He did not know how to answer that message of hope. This young man dropped his head and he looked down and he said, I don't know how to take that. I've never heard anybody tell me those words before. And as tears began to come down his eyes, he just dropped his head and he kept on walking. I realize 
that on that campus, and you may be able to testify to this here in Augusta, Maine, that there are a lot of people that have fallen into this trap called hopelessness. They wake up every morning jaded of what life could be. They wake up every morning not knowing where they could go tomorrow. Hopelessness. It's a spirit that the devil uses to grip the hearts of a child of God. Condemnation is a spirit that the devil uses as a tactic against a child of God. Can I tell you tonight that condemnation is used to take away the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. The devil knew he could not stop Jesus from going to Calvary to die for your sins. So he recognized that after Jesus would die for our sins, he would try to disillusion us with the spirit of condemnation. And all this spirit is, is a spirit that tries to take away the power of the cross. Can I tell you tonight, boldly, proudly, and with full of confidence, that Jesus did not just die on the cross for one man. He did not just die on the cross for one woman. But Jesus Christ went to the cross because he saw you. And he ordained that you have purpose and a future for your life. Can I tell you tonight? It may be simple, but your family still has purpose. Can I tell you tonight that your friend still has purpose? Can I tell you tonight that your sibling still has purpose? purpose. Can I tell you tonight that your mother and your father still have purpose? Can I tell you tonight we serve a God that gives us purpose? I realize that the message of hope is the message of the hour. Teenagers are committing suicide at an all-time high. Divorce is at an all-time high. Addiction is at an all-time high. Sexual immorality is at an all-time high. Teenage pregnancy is at an all-time high. Juvenile crime is at an all-time high. And the only thing this world can prescribe is another medication that has no effect. The world justifies exactions as generational normality but I've got enough guts to say tonight we don't need more government handouts we don't need more mind-numbing media we don't need more self-help remedy we need an outpouring of the love of God we need an outpouring of the Spirit of God I've come to tell you that one moment in the presence of Jesus can heal you deliver you restore you and send you There needs to be a young man or a young woman that will stand up for their generation and declare the truth no matter what repercussions come with countercultural beliefs. Peter and John, 
they looked upon this man who was lame since birth and in their hearts they reasoned that gold would not help this man silver would not help this man another prescription could not help this man the only thing that could help this man was an an outstretched arm from a man with compassion he understood that the only thing that could heal this man was not his own power but the power of Jesus Christ and so he looked at this man that was lame from birth and he said money's not going to help you a new career's not going to help you The only thing that's going to help you is an outstretched arm from Jesus to touch you in a place you never thought could be healed. And the Bible says, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Arise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. If you know the power of the name of Jesus, there is no force in hell that could stop you from walking with your head high there is nothing that could stop you from waking up with a dream with waking up with a vision with waking up with a destiny silver and gold have I none I can't sell it to you why because it's already been bought this gospel is not for sale I just feel like preaching this tonight. We don't need more prosperity preachers. We don't need more mega churches with a pastor on a television. What we need is more apostolic authority behind the sacred desk. We need apostolic preaching with signs following. We cannot get away from the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost and fire. This is not for sale. This truth is not for sale. My family is not for sale. My children are not for sale. My brother is not for sale. My sister is not for sale. It's a sad fact that your pursuit in truth will take you to places of persecution that you can never imagine. This pursuit of truth. Raiden, could you help me tonight for a moment? I want to tell you about a young boy who had a dream from God. I want to tell you about a young man who had a dream that would save an entire nation and save a world from death. It's a young man by the name of Joseph. Brother Raiden is going to be my Joseph for tonight. Young Joseph had a dream. He didn't ask for the dream. I don't even know if he necessarily wanted the dream. But God gave him this dream. This dream would shake Joseph to the core. In this dream, he saw these sheaves binding in the field. These sheaves in the field. And he noticed something. That Joseph's sheaf was standing upright. And lo, 
There were his brother's sheaves that were bowing down to him. After all, his brothers understood that Joseph was the favorite child. Joseph was the son of Jacob's old age. But something on the inside of Joseph was something that was stirring him in his heart. It was the weight of a dream that he probably should not have received. It was not culturally appropriate at the time for the elder to bow down to the younger. It was not culturally appropriate for the elder to serve the younger. But there was a prophetic word that was resting upon the shoulders of Joseph. Just as there was a prophetic word that was resting upon the shoulders of his father Jacob. That the elder would serve the younger. And this dream began to stir Joseph in the night. I want you to lay down for me. He was sleeping one day. This dream came to him. It was a dream that he could not contain. He had to share it with somebody, but who would he share this dream with? And that is where his brothers come into play. I want all of you on this front row to help me tonight. Thank you very much. <laughs> This dream was disturbing. But obviously this dream was not man-made. It was a God-given dream. And can I take a pause for a moment and tell you that when God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, it'll stir you to your core. So one day Joseph, he arose in the morning. And he said, Danny Boo Boo. you were bowing down to me and the Bible says his brothers hated him yet the more could not stand little brother who was already father's favorite perfect little child for you that don't know Joseph Joseph was a good looking young man he was strapping and strong he was smart and intelligent he was the favorite child Almost makes me want to gag. <laughs> Anybody that has a favorite sibling understands? Amen. Hello, my sister is getting ready to be a doctor. And here, I'm just, uh, just a little business major at this small little university. My sister's getting ready to be a doctor. I grew up my entire life hearing, Why can't you be like your sister? <laughs> well, first of all, because I'm a man. <laughs> Hallelujah, <laughs> I'm just going to stop right there. <laughs> Why couldn't you just be like your sister and go get a PhD and go be a doctor and go make lots of money? Because I had a dream. And this dream did not include making a lot of money. This dream including preaching the gospel to a world that was desperate for Jesus. I fought this dream my whole life. 
I fought this dream. I would not allow this dream to come out of my mouth. Because don't you know the moment the dream leaves your mouth is the moment you begin to believe it for yourself. So don't you know that the enemy will try to keep your mouth shut so you won't speak the promises of God over your own life. I've come to tell you there there is power in your words. The power of life and death is in the tongue. I've come to tell you if you would just... Speak your dream. Anything could happen. You're going to bow down to me. And all of a sudden, his brothers started to hate him the more. Lay down again. (laughs) Because there was a first dream, God also gave him a second dream. But this dream was a little different because it wasn't just his brothers bowing down to him, but it was his brothers and his mother and his father bowing down to him. And his brethren hated him yet the more because little brother could not just keep this dream to himself. The Bible says his father rebuked him. He rebuked Joseph. But he didn't just rebuke him. Because the Bible says he observed the saying. He observed what Joseph was speaking. And one day, I was sitting here thinking, God, why would you use Joseph? And what is the importance of of Joseph having the coat of many colors and and staying home with his fathers? It was simple. Because his oldest brothers... His older brothers couldn't obey the instructions of their father. And one day, Jacob said, I want you to arise and go find out what your brothers are doing. And he told his sons, Jacob told his sons, I want you to go to Shechem and feed the flock. That's where I want you to go. That's where I'm sending you. Go to Shechem. But instead of going to Shechem, they went to Dothan. Go ahead and go that way. Just go stand over there. They couldn't even obey the instructions of their father. Yeah, here was a dreamer. Go ahead and stand up for me. There was this dreamer who spent countless hours with his father. He had the special coat. He said, I want you to go to Shechem. Go find your brothers. And he went over there and they could not find them. And there was a passer on by. This guy said, your your brothers aren't even in the right place. They're over doing who knows what in Dothan. And so Jacob gets, or Joseph gets this intel. And he makes his way to Dothan to, to spy out, to see what his brothers were doing that they weren't supposed to do. Just like a little brother would. I'm going to go tell mommy and daddy on you. I'm going to go tell them what you're doing. Brother Aaron, can you help me? Can you just go stand over there for a second? Oh, they're not even feeding their father's flock. I'm not saying Raiden sounds like this. I'm just, this is how Joseph, this is how Joseph. They're not even feeding their flock. They're just, just like kind of huddle up or something, like do something. They're just kind of goofing off over there in a special little meeting and they're not... Oh, it looks kind of creepy, but they're, they're, just, they're just messing around. They don't even care about the instructions of the father. 
And so all of a sudden, Joseph says, I got them right where I want them. I'm going to go tell my father what they're doing. And little brother was the tattletale that he was. I went over to Shechem. They weren't there. They went to Dothan. I don't know what they were doing. He said, well, what do you mean? I want you to go find out again what they're doing. Go, go, go. And as the brother came from a distance, now I want you to like mean mug him as mean as you can. The Bible says that his brothers were conspiring against him because they could not stand the dream that this young man had. Why didn't God give me this dream? Why, why is God not using me in the ministry? Why, why is God not using my hands to lay, to lay them on people to watch them healed? And they started complaining about everything they did not have. And so they saw the dreamer coming his way. And they begin to conspire. And they got in this circle. The Bible says, behold, the dreamer cometh. What should we do with him? Should we kill him? I think we should kill him. He doesn't deserve to live. Why? Because Reuben, after all, you're the oldest. Why, why didn't you get the dream? Levi, Simeon. Dan, Asher, Naphtali, why, why, we're all older than, than, than Joseph. Why did God not give us the dream? Don't they know who we are? Don't they know how powerful we are? Don't they know how anointed we are? The only issue is it's hard to be anointed when the Father tells you to do one thing, but your own flesh wants to do another thing. And so instead of just loving this man who was given a dream that would, that would save their family for generations to come, God gave it to a young boy who was desperate to be different. Don't ever get caught up trying to be somebody that you're not. You have your own anointing. And your anointing is different from his anointing. And you may be good at one thing, and he may be good at one thing, but you don't, it's okay to be who God called you to be. And I, I, I'm closing, the musicians can please come, and my, my evil brother just stay there. Musicians, please come. But the little brother just had this dream, and and he had to come obey the instructions of his father or just do the will of God. And all of a sudden, I don't, I don't think the Bible says they beat him up, but rather than killing him, they said, what? what's better? This is better. Braxton, this is better. Let's not kill him. We can sell him and make money. We, we, can, we can sell what was already bought. And so they conspired to kill him. 
And they said, rather than, than killing them, we're going to dig this pit. And we're going to throw little brother in this pit. And we shall see what kind of dream comes from him. The only issue was they did not realize that in the pit that Joseph was in, he would learn lessons that he could not learn in the palace. There were lessons learned in the pit that he could not have learned in a land of provision, in a land of... I wish somebody would hear me tonight. You may feel like you're in a pit full of darkness, and you may feel like life is about to be over. But can I tell you, your pit was designed for you to have a dream that would send you all the way to Egypt. They, they sold him into slavery and he was tied behind the camels and he had to go across this desert this place of, of dryness this, this place where he hadn't felt the presence of God in a long time and he was just dragging on being pulled by this camel being pulled by his own cousins Joseph was being sold into slavery. Did he ever look at God and say, God, why'd you have to do this to me? I know you gave me a dream, but why is my dream becoming a nightmare? And can I tell you? be bearing a dream that only you could bear just like Jesus carried a cross that only he could bear both sold by their own brethren Joseph sold for 20 pieces of silver and our Christ would be sold for 30 pieces of silver there were lessons learned in the pit there were lessons learned going through the desert learned on the auction block of Egypt while men looked at him in his nakedness. The Bible says the hand of the Lord was with Joseph. What the enemy meant for evil, God would always mean for good. Not one time look up to heaven and say, God, I don't deserve this. But rather, he just did what was asked of him. As we stand to our feet tonight. I know you may be in this moment of despair, in a moment of heaviness. You may not understand why these things are happening to you. My family's falling apart. I don't feel the presence of God like I used to feel. I've come to tell you, if you will just be patient in the pit,
God will give you the blueprint to save your family. I've come to tell you, don't sell your dream. Don't sell your prayer. Don't sell that burden you have to watch the kingdom of God. God's getting ready to elevate you. And God's getting ready to give you a dream that only you could bear. And I've come to tell you tonight in the Holy Ghost, it's not time to give up now. You may feel like giving up at any moment. I've come to tell you it's this is not for sale. These miracles are not for sale. This anointing is not for sale. This burden is not for sale. I've got people that are dependent on me to not sell my dream.
demonstration of the Holy Ghost in our lives.